0: Welcome to Come Talk with Me. I'm Maxetta Gad, and I believe we all have a story. I also believe we can learn from each other. Sometimes we learn what to do, and sometimes we learn what not to do. My hope is we will learn we are not alone in whatever chapter of our story we are in. We are back with Tara Huckle, all the way from Texas. Gosh, I'm so thankful she agreed to share her story with us. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, which is the episode before this one, go ahead and click on it, and then come back to this one. In this part of her story, you'll hear how she continues through her latter part of her teen years, through some of her adult young adult, I should say, years and some choices that led to bad consequences, but also some things out of her control that continues to happen to her. Either way, just stay with us because you will get to hear the healing, the redemption, the deliverance that has taken place in her life. So enjoy this part. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, welcome back. We are on episode two with my friend Tara. She has so graciously agreed to share her testimony of what God has done in her life with us. And as I stated before, we broke it up into different episodes. Um, So I know that you've been on the edge of your seat (laughs) to get to part two, (laughs) and really the best is still coming. I love it. Um, But just to recap, last week you did hear about the sexual abuse that she encountered when she was younger um, started at four years old and then there were some incidents that occurred during her teenage years and we left off during her rebellious teenage years (laughs) she's going to pick back up for us and as you continue to listen to the testimony yes you're going to hear the dark times but I promise you you're going to also hear the healing that has taken place and the light that has entered. Um, mm-hmm. She does have a, a wonderful husband and she has two bonus kiddos with him and she is very involved with caring for his ex-wife Tiffany and we will get to that part of the story as well <laughs> but she lives in Texas and it is hot and The weather's much better there than it is today here, but that's okay. That's okay. We're not going to let that interfere with this wonderful testimony. So, okay. Now, let me ask you something. I saw someone stitch you, I think, the other night. I think that's what it's called on TikTok. Now, she pronounces your name Tara. Is that how you pronounce it normally? So, no. I pronounce it Tara. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Tara okay. short for Tara Lynn, but yeah. I will say when I lived up North, everybody pronounces all my aunts and everybody from up North
0: say Tara. Tara. Everybody
1: yeah. South says Tara. Yeah. And I've
0: just always said Tara. So okay. it's really where you live. That's true. Yeah. And I think actually, <laughs> now that you said that, I think she is an up norther. but it was a beautiful, okay. beautiful, um, stitch that she did, but I wanted to make sure that I was pronouncing your name. Correct. So. just fine. <laughs> okay. All right. You you pick up wherever you would like to or if you want to recap anything the floor is yeah. yours
1: <laughs> as always i know we ended on like some some tough subjects last yes. time and some hard mm-hmm. things here so i just wanted to start just immediately with some hope it's <laughs> a bible verse oh yes Other Than that and it's psalm 147:3 uh god is near to the brokenhearted and i just want to you know speak that out and claim that right now cuz as we've mentioned a lot of my stuff was really hard to hear lots of traumas and whatnot, but as you'll see, as we keep sharing, um, God was very near as I was working brokenhearted, as these awful things were happening. And I'm sure many people I've talked to many people as well, can look back on the past and say, I see where God was, even though it was a hard time. I saw him there. And, um, And as I was sharing, God reminded me of the story of Hagar in the Bible in um, Genesis 16, it's seven through 13, but she's going through a lot. She's being mistreated and she runs away because it's so bad. And as she runs away, the Lord sends an angel And during that time, um, she was met by an angel of the Lord and it said, I will multiply your descendants. I will bless you abundantly. The Lord has heard your affliction. And then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her and said, you are the God that sees me. And I remember when God first showed that to me, when I was sharing all the stuff I've gone through, it just broke me down in such a beautiful way. I felt his presence. And, and I just want to share that as I continue to share some of the hard stuff, because Your story is not over. (laughs) It does not matter how bad it is, your circumstance, wherever you're at right now, Mm -hmm. or how bad it was in the past. It is not over. God is the God that sees you. He sees the affliction you've been through, and he will send a comforter. He has sent us the Holy Spirit. He will send us the comfort that we need. And I've definitely experienced that in my life through the ups and downs. And so I just wanted to preface with that, that there is hope as I continue to share. And, um, yeah I think we ended at my my little crazy rebellious days um <laughs> it's it continues <laughs>
0: but it gets great. better like you it said <laughs> that's right it does
1: yes and I know I had mentioned the neighbor when I was 14 um and I was friends with my neighbor friend uh the girl next door and um it kind of just picked up right after that. It was really, honestly, it was like one trauma after the other at this point, and I ended up, you know, again begging my mom, "Can I go with her to her church that you've never been to?" And you know, my my parents, my dad was in seminary, preacher. They're thinking, okay, church is safe. You've begged enough. You mm-hmm. can go. They had no idea what had gone on in that house, and so. I ended up going to this, uh, I think it was like a little Pentecostal church um, in our area. And I remember just walking in and immediately feeling uncomfortable. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of the time, the enemy likes to counterfeit God. He mm-hmm. wants to be God, Satan wants to be God. <laughs> and
0: yeah. so he'll
1: counterfeit, you know, there's, there's speaking in tongues, there's prayer language in the Bible. And then there's the opposite. There's fake things going on. There's the demonic realm, there's the, the heavenly realm. And I remember walking into that church, not really knowing much about the spiritual realm, but knowing this was not Jesus. Yeah, Kids were crying and hiding under pews. There was so much fear in the room. There was screaming and I did not like it. And I was like this, I just want to go. Yeah. But I ended up staying um, because I had gotten a ride. Um, the youth pastor had picked us up. And so my parents were very trusting. It was a youth pastor, and uh, we stayed very late. We stayed for hours, and it was very dark when we were leaving. And as we were leaving, I'm uh, directionally challenged. (laughs) That is not a gift. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) don't follow me anywhere. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) I'm always backwards to the right, to left. Don't follow Mm -hmm. me. Right. right. (laughs) So directionally challenged, and. I know that God was with me in this moment too. This is kind of a, a could be trauma moment where I saw the Lord protect me because uh, we left the church and the youth pastor just started driving us home. And I was with my friend, the female and her brother, he was in the front seat and she was in the back seat with me in this guy's big white truck and we're driving and it's pitch black. We're all chatting. And I don't know where I am. I don't know if I'm on my way home or not, but I did remember one part. In this huge metroplex that we live in it was the one park my dad used to bring us to and i knew the entrance because it was large and wooden and i looked up and all of a sudden we're entering a park late at night in the dark and we kept driving and driving and driving to the very back of this park and then this youth pulls into the back parking lot and turns off his engine and immediately I always say like my legs went numb. I just knew something bad was about to happen. I could see it. He was fidgeting and he looked very like evil just came over him. Mm-hmm. This is the youth pastor. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, like yeah. my parents trying to trust the yeah. situation supposed and supposed to be a safe place, a safe yeah, person. Yes. Supposed yeah. to be. But again, mm-hmm. just because it's a church, just because it's a preacher, if you've ever been hurt by a church or a preacher, they did not know Jesus. Right. That's <laughs> they right. Were mis- Representing christ because so many people have church hurt so many people have religious trauma Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day that has nothing to do with god because if god is love if someone has ever harmed you or hurt you in any way within a church they have misrepresented christ completely and never never got to see him and so i just have to say that because i've been there i understand yes (laughs) but way too often
0: yeah it sure does
1: yeah heartbreaking Mm -hmm. um but I remember I was talking to my my friend and he turned off the car and she just pretended like she was asleep. And then her brother pretended like he was asleep. And I, I remember my discernment saying, this has happened to them before. This this is a norm for them. So now I'm awake and this man just starts to turn around and like shift his body. And all of a sudden a cop pulls up. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, yes, even though yes. I don't have a relationship with you right now and mm-hmm. um, long short he said what are you doing get out of here and that man drove us home and i later found out from that neighbor that they had both been assaulted in their life and i could not believe i pushed that so far back when i was young from all the trauma when i was older and i thought about that it was the first moment where i could truly see a moment where god was there with me. me he protected me and again i also saw that just because someone calls themselves something their fruit if their tree is not producing the fruit of god then you are not seeing God. And so it was kind of a healing thing for me as I got older to understand that Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times people misrepresent God and it's heartbreaking because then they miss out on him.
0: Yeah. He's our healer. (laughs) He's our everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And I just want to really stress what she said. If someone has from the church, or representing the church, or, or Christianity, has hurt you in any way? Just as mm-hmm. she said, they are misrepresenting Jesus Christ. I mean, yes. they very much are. So, yes. yeah. And I hate that it happens. I hate it. But mm-hmm. like you said, it does happen too mm-hmm. often, too often. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm so thankful though for God's intervention in that mm-hmm. situation for you. Yes. Definitely. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Well, it was uh, you know around this time when my dad was noticing my rebellion, and uh, he was teaching at the time in Texas, and I was in the tenth grade, about to go into eleventh, and that's when I got the news that we were up and moving again, and we would be moving to Massachusetts. Oh wow! <laughs> yes, yeah. And I was mad. I was so mad because you're go- in high school. I had my best friends, the ones I was partying with. Mm-hmm. I had a water park boyfriend that we thought we were in so much love, uh, you know, all the sports stuff. I was really involved in, um, high school sports basketball. And a lot of the seniors had just graduated and coaches were telling me, all right, we're going to really focus on you. And then everything was changing. And we were in the Metroplex. We had all this stuff, fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And my dad came home with this little video of this rinky dink, tiny little, almost abandoned looking town with a train station and a payphone. And I was mad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, But I found out later that he had kind of picked up on a lot of my rebellion and had some ideas that I was doing some of the things I was doing. And so that was part of the reason why we moved. Okay. Yeah. He was going to be the preacher of this little tiny church in a little tiny town. Mm. (laughs) So we moved. We moved that summer. uh, I think it was May. And Again, I was still in such rebellion. I was in such rebellion that when we moved, I begged my parents to go back to visit my friend before the school year started. Again, just begging until they said yes. And it was the same girl that I had been partying with. So I go to Texas, end up in the same situation. We started doing drugs, drinking, everything. And I end up at some random guy's house. I had told myself I'm waiting for marriage after the trauma that had happened. And I am almost blackout drunk. (laughs) We are completely acting insane at such a young age. And I ended up having a one night stand with this random guy. Mm -hmm. While I still had the water park boyfriend cheated on him. I mean, complete disastrous mess, which I even told the water park boyfriend, I was going to wait for marriage. I mean, it was just so much chaos. Yeah, And I remember thinking I could be pregnant and my dad's the preacher of this little town. And I am so drunk right now. I can't function. And a healthy fear came over me for the first time. I felt conviction. All of the rebellion had always been so strong that I had not felt that conviction from the Lord yet. And I literally called my mom and I said, you need to come get me early because I am here for another few days and I can't control myself. Like I need your help. And my poor parents (laughs) at that point, they had no idea (laughs) the things. And I just remember my mom's hands on the steering wheel, like as I'm just letting it all out. And I told her, you know, I've been smoking weed and drinking and partying. I'm also not a virgin. Now I didn't tell her the extent that it was rape. I didn't mention some words, but I explained what happened when I was 14 with the neighbor. I mean, she was in complete shock, just getting all of this information. Mm-hmm. But I was finally in a place where I was feeling conviction from God. Yeah. And I was excited because I was sick of it. Yes. When we get this overwhelming sin in our life, mm-hmm. there's only a matter of time that it leads to destruction. That's right. <laughs> and I was there. I was at the pit. I was feeling like I'm so done with this. I want to feel normal. I want to feel happy. I want to be, you know, the Christian girl that I see these other happy girls living like, Mm -hmm. and I was yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you're right. It, it, it does get exhausting living that lifestyle and it's constant torment and there isn't any peace and yeah. So it's almost like you, like busted you know everything yeah. had to come out
1: <laughs> exactly bottling yeah. up and, and yeah. know it's wrong and it's yeah. just producing death all around you yeah but I'm you know being rebellious and well, thinking sure. that yeah. the world because the world was so much cooler than mm-hmm. the foreign churches I was going to as a preacher's daughter
0: <laughs> yeah that wouldn't that. Even give me anything yeah yeah my <laughs> gosh so, when was- your- so that was on the drive back home right yeah and it was just your mom. Yeah. Your dad. Okay. How did she handle that? Did she just listen or? Yeah. She did. Yeah. So
1: I can't even like, she was so kind and yeah. obviously God was working through her. I know yeah. it was shock, mm-hmm. but yeah. she literally just listened. She didn't shame me. She didn't yell at me. She didn't say anything negative. She just listened. Yeah. And I remember saying, don't tell dad, but of course, <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. She's like, "Okay, yeah, no, yeah. Not, not." Oh. <laughs> she just listened and I I remember we got back and she told my dad and then I started having talks with him mm-hmm. and they immediately were going to get me into ca- counseling and therapy and um but the town was so small that it was this little tiny counseling session and my dad brought me. Oh. So I had to sit in a room with my dad. <laughs> It was so awkward. Oh. I don't know, you know, I don't think that place handled it very well. It was yeah. like, tell us everything. And I'm like, mm, that's my preacher dad, you know, it was awkward. Right. But yeah. you know, they say that when you speak the truth and you bring that darkness to the light, mm-hmm. I was repenting. I was bringing it all yeah. to the light. And as awkward as it was, I remember still feeling clean. You know, I still yeah. felt, wow, there's a chance for me to not be living like I mentioned before, when we feel so lowly of ourselves, we live up to that standard. We attract that. Mm -hmm. And I was living up to what I had been, you know, told about myself by boys and men. And also when you're abused, you believe you're not worth anything. And then the enemy is a liar. So with all of that, I was living up to that. I was a rebellious, you know, teen that wanted attention. And at this time I was finally feeling like, wait, there's hope. Like, I could be a confident, happy, nor I just wanted to be normal. I wanted to be like the other girls yeah. and happy people in general. And so I remember as awkward as it was, I was excited. Mm-hmm. And uh, my parents bought me a book called Rachel's Tears. And it's about one of the girls um, who actually passed away at Columbine. Oh. She was one of the girls that um, they said, do you believe in God? Yeah. And in high school, she stood up and said, yes, I do. And then lost her life oh my gosh, I could cry. It's yeah. so insanely okay. amazing. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading it. My parents were, you know, very smart about, <laughs> <little bits laughs> because, you know, growing up, we did have a lot of like sheltering and control. We were in like the religious um, era, they call it, you know, where like um, very, very controlled sheltering, kind of homeschool life living we did for a while. Okay. Uh-huh. And so we were very rebellious, you know, because of that. And I just remember how they handled it. Like, here's a book for you. I know you've been, you know, saying you want to talk to God. Like they weren't forcing things on me. And again, it was just one of those times where I felt the Lord mm-hmm. and I hadn't felt that, but it was feelings. I know it was like the feelings we get. And it was like this hamster wheel of like, well, now I feel good. And now I'm acting good. Yeah. So now I can have Jesus. Cause I'm a good girl. Mm-hmm. But that's the opposite. (laughs) That's the way that seems right to a man. We are used to having to please people for them to like us, Mm -hmm. do good, love me enough and I'll love you back. But that's the way that seems right to a man, the Bible says, which is the opposite in the kingdom. The kingdom, heaven, God is backwards. You don't work for anything. You are already loved. Jesus already died while we were sinners. And it's just by believing through faith and by his grace that's already paid for but I was just like, I'll be a good girl. And then Jesus will love me. And then I'll be a real Christian. <laughs> and so I was on this hamster wheel that was just exhausting yes. of feelings. <gasps> I read a Jesus book. I feel these good feelings. <laughs> and then I'm a good girl. Oh, but that boy's really cute. Oh, but I want to go party. You know, like it was, <laughs> ah, <laughs> I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> I'm <No. a> <laughs> no, you're not.
0: That's right. Same. So I've like myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. fun. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Not good. So then my parents, you know, after that uh, became even more strict, which I understand now as yeah. a parent, I get that fear. Um, I mean, it was to the point where my dad would park diagonal facing the soccer field and I was allowed to get on that soccer field and walk to the car and I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody. I couldn't <laughs> give girlfriends my phone number because they could have brothers, you know, Yeah. And I get it. Like Mm -hmm. I had just told them the most horrific things happened to me from neighbors and people they trusted and Mm -hmm. friends, brothers, but it was even more control and even more, we were butting heads even Mm -hmm. more. And it was making me want to rebel even more. (laughs) And I started seeing a guy in high school and Wasn't even somebody that I was thinking, okay, I really want to get interested with someone. I was still telling myself, I'm that good Christian girl. This feels amazing. I'm a good girl. Now, Jesus can love me and life can be great. I have to be good. I have to act good. But he was very um, manipulative in the beginning. Very, He could talk his way like salesman. And we got very close very quick. And my dad did not like that. And did not like him. And he did not like my dad. (laughs) Okay. It just immediately (laughs) not good. Yeah. And um, it was not long before uh, I was hiding it from my dad that I had a boyfriend, which I was not allowed and Mm -hmm. all the things. And before I knew it, our families were butting heads and especially my dad was just saying, absolutely not. You know, he was noticing we were getting very close Um, and my dad eventually gave me an ultimatum and said it's him and you have to leave this house or with you break up with him and you abide by the rules and you stay and the very it had gotten crazy we were screaming fighting at each other i was running from phone to phone trying to call him drama for your mama <laughs> 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 this is no
0: fun <laughs> no. about I, how I, old I, I'm sorry I do you ahead. remember about how old you were maybe 17 or 18 yeah, or- yeah i was 17, yeah. 17. okay yeah
1: I remember because my boyfriend's mom was very scared when I showed up at her house that night that the pastor of town, underage daughter, was running away to her home. (laughs) And she was saying, uh uh, she sent me right back. She was like, you are not 18. She she wanted to. And we we went back and forth at first, but she was petrified. I was almost 18 and she was so scared that she was going to get in trouble. Um, It was just heartbreaking. At the time, I was in such like survival mode of all the trauma and everything. And ironically, this boyfriend felt like a safe place. He was a bigger guy. He was very tough. He was known in school. And to me, that was what I was seeking. I was seeking that in God. I was seeking Mm -hmm. healing, peace, comfort, protection from God, but I was finding it in men and he just happened to be the one, you know, to say he'd do it. And um, at the time I did not even truly think about how it would affect my siblings, my younger siblings that were still in the home. I was in such survival mode that I was just like, I'm out, you know, dad's acting this way. Mom's acting this way. I'm gone. And my dad told me, if you're gone, you have no contact with anyone in this house. And so it wasn't even like I could see my sisters or my mom. It was, you are cut off. That is the rule. And, um, at the time I said, I was kicked out (laughs) now that I'm older. I'm like, you made a choice. To disrespect your parents, you chose, (laughs) I called out all those years, but the Bible does not tell us to honor our parents. If they're perfect, obviously, if your parents are sexually abusing you, physically abusing you, if they're asking you to sin, God trumps all, I always say that God trumps everything. And if somebody of any authority is ever telling you, you have to sin, we don't have to follow that. Right, but we do have to honor our parents, even if they're not perfect. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> and at the point. time yeah. I didn't have a relationship with God. And that was the last thing I, all I could say was, well, they were wrong. They're controlling me. They're handling this wrong. I am going to justify this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now that I look back, I, I literally write my parents, especially like my mom, because me and her butt heads a lot growing up. I literally write her, I love you. Sorry. note like every mother's Day you were the best mom I was so rebellious I love you so. (laughs)
0: every
1: year I'm like I cannot believe it (laughs) so y'all there's hope out there
0: yes that's right
1: there's hope for your your crazy wild prodigal teenager
0: (laughs) oh gosh
1: yes so it was about um two years I went without ever speaking to or seeing my little siblings. And I um, totally had the prodigal situation because we had been poor. I mentioned in the prior podcast, there were rats in our walls. There were roaches and all over our house. We were in the middle of gangland, you know? When we moved to Massachusetts, my dad was finally making enough money that we could go grocery shopping. I thought we hit the lottery. We got new cars we had, I had my own bedroom. I was sharing a bedroom with two siblings before this. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was average to most people, but to us, it was like, we hit the lottery. Yeah. All of that for the first time in my life, I had just started getting close to one of my siblings and I left it all to be rebellious with this boyfriend and to stand up to my dad because nobody had, and I'm going to show him how controlling he is. Went about it the completely wrong way and ended up At the boyfriend's house, sleeping on a mattress, a dirty mattress on the floor in a laundry room, holes in the window, holes in the wall, wolf spiders under the dryer next to our mattress, living in sin, not married as a teenager. (laughs) I mean, he had, there were people in that house that were super unkind to me, lashing out all the time, hostile, stressful environment. And I left
0: all of that to live in that a complete prodigal. (laughs) Right. Right. Did you, while you were there, did you have moments of, oh gosh, I wish I was back at my parents' house or were, were you too prideful at the time to say I'm coming back or what, what were your thoughts like then?
1: Oh my gosh. At the time, nobody could pay me to go back. I finally had this freedom. I, Oh. oh, it was such a twisted place to be because even though I had lost all that and I loved my family at this house, they were fun and Mm -hmm. world. And something that we all didn't grow up with was like compliments in this house. They were telling me you could be a model. You're gorgeous. Every second of the day I felt for the first time in my life, I bloomed with confidence. Mm -hmm. I was, there's pictures of me before I moved in and I was like kind of pale and like dark haired and just like wallflower. Um, And me after I just have these like bright eyes and I'm dressing different. And I'm like, yeah. I had so much confidence for the first time in my life, confidence. Um, people were telling me like, what about your career? What college are you going to go to? Like all of this different type of living I wasn't raised with. So there was so much good at my house. There was different stuff here, but there was also hostility and yeah. craziness. We had to pay $500 a month. to sleep on those mattresses oh, while we were in high school. Oh, my And that meant Working at KFC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cleaning men's bathrooms, mopping the floors, you know. I was working my butt off. And again, to me, it was worth it. I was finally free from this control. I could go on dates with this boyfriend. I could do whatever I wanted. And mm-hmm. I never wanted to go back. And it was just so crazy. It was such a twisted, it was so much of pull and and I just refused. I was like, I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. I remember I would sit in KFC in my pride and I would think about my mom. She just, and we used to butt heads. We were not friends. We were not close. We did not have that mom daughter relationship. I could not talk to her without us yelling at each other. And I was very disrespectful and, and rebellious. Uh-huh. And there I was in the back of KFC and I'd pull up a bucket and I'd sit on it and I'd just call the house phone back then. <laughs> and i pray that my dad wouldn't answer. <laughs> please Jesus, let it be. All. I don't want, I'm going to hang up if it's him. Yeah. And she'd answer and I would just start bawling and I'd be like, I miss you. And she'd be like, I miss you. I love you. I mean, we didn't, I think I did that like three times in two years. We yeah. didn't speak. I never saw her. It was so, once I got saved and once, you know, full circle, the end of all this comes to think about the fact, like my siblings, I try to keep them as, you know, disclosed as I can but the ones that were in the home like to think back now like how it affected them so drastically I wasn't even thinking about it at the time yeah and it broke my heart and God is doing a complete restoring of that now praise the Lord good he's so good he will always do that but just to think of the selfishness and and also that I listened like I should have reached out to them. I mean, it was so crazy that two years later, I was at the movie theater and my little sibling walked by and I didn't even recognize him. And I said, you're my sibling. And it was like, we didn't know each other. Mm. And before that, we were homeschooled a lot of our lives. You know, we were very knit sheltered. Like our friends were our siblings. And I went from that tight knit to like, not even knowing who was there. And I just remember I went home and just bawled my eyes out that night in that conviction. Me. and at the same time the boyfriend was very controlling didn't want me with my family had kind of caused a lot of this uh-huh. later told me so that he could get me secluded yeah <laughs> and so becoming very manipulated very um like trauma bonded to this person yeah. because of manipulation and control and i just believed everything they said negative about my family and
0: you know vice versa. so
1: just again that destruction that comes from
0: sin right Yeah. And let's go ahead and add a little helpful note for any younger ladies that are listening. Well, ladies of any age, but I'm just thinking of her being a teenager. If your boyfriend or romantic partner tries to isolate you from your family, causing discord amongst your friends, your family, that's not healthy that's Mm-mm. not all. Oh, he loves me so much if they're overly jealous and protective that's not a good thing that's what? that's very unhealthy so mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that in there kind of that's a red flag like pay attention
1: to that oh yeah and I felt so loved like you said like <laughs> I felt oh he must love me yeah. he's so jealous of me he wants to protect me from my own family <laughs> mm-hmm right absolute lie right. The opposite of the truth yeah a true person who has true love for you will want you to be with your family mm-hmm. and again if the family is not a perfect unit there's prayer yeah at the end yes of the day, you go to god for prayer and you pray for them you don't just yeah. completely cut off the person completely unless god tells you to for safety reasons but sure in general sure. prayer will work
0: yes yeah you're right you you're right prayer. now in those two years did you graduate from high school are you still in high school? Still?
1: Yes, because I was just turning eighteen, I believe, um, and I graduated from high school without my parents or my mm-hmm. siblings and and I got engaged. I was just about to get engaged. Wow! Yeah. Very to so the gentleman you were um, living with, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I had been just started going to church, so we partied a lot in high school. Me and this boy, mm-hmm. just like my dad, and we would and drugs, drinking, all the things, everything we shouldn't have been doing before marriage. And then as I, um, I think I was like 19 or so, God started convicting me again. Mm -hmm. And I truly wanted to, again, be that good Christian girl, just that pull again, that hamster wheel. And we found a church and we started going. And I remember that conviction started to come and I began to feel the peace of God. I began to feel his comfort. I began to to pray again and just kind mm-hmm. of try to talk to him, even though I didn't really know him well. And it was about that time that one of my siblings called me and I'm just sitting in my little apartment mm-hmm. and the phone rings. Dad's about to call. It's good. Pick it up. Click. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my heart is beating so fast. I was <laughs> going to pass out. <laughs> I'm like, huh? No. And I'm just alone. Cause my uh, boyfriend at the time was working and we had our own place now and I'm just sitting there all alone, petrified. And I remember the phone rang and my dad and I like were butting heads so much too. And so I just remember thinking, this can't be good. It's been two years. And he said, Hey, and I said, hi. And he said, okay, well, I just got back from a men's retreat. Now, granted, he's a preacher. He had gone to this like preacher retreat.
0: Yeah. He
1: said, I met a man there and he told me about his daughter named Sarah. And how pretty much almost the same situation happened, but God convicted him and said, don't ever kick her out of the family. Like, this is your family. You don't ever do that. Go after her. And, um, he said, he talked to me and he said, what I did was wrong and how I handled it was wrong. And I don't want you to not be able to talk to your mom or your sisters or me. And I'm sorry. And I think that might've been the first time I ever heard my dad say, sorry. (laughs) And I was shocked. Yeah, I was hysterically bawling, and I said, "Thank you, I forgive you, I'm sorry too," and God just restored it.
0: Wow! And
1: I remember He said, "Well, you all want to come over um this week and see your mom and sisters, and and He can come too." And I was in shock. Miracle really? from God. <laughs> it had been years. Yeah, <laughs> I was so thankful and so excited, and then the boyfriend got home and he was immediately scared and intimidated and tried to make it all end. Yeah. <laughs> and his family got really insecure because it was just a lot of butting heads, spiritual warfare, but yeah. we ended up going over and rekindling and they were back in my life. I was allowed in the house again. He was yeah. allowed there. Yeah. It was so incredible what God did. Oh, and, and then it was not long after that we got engaged and married and my family got to be at the wedding. Yeah. Of course, my dad was not very happy in all the pictures. <laughs> I think he still knew, and I was very young. Yeah. <laughs> we got aged yeah. at team. So, you know, yeah. I'm thinking I'm a grown adult that knows everything. And God and my parents are like, Mm-mm. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we were definitely not saved at the time either. I mean, we thought yeah. we were. He had asked me, you know, the boyfriend had said, I, I want to know God. And I kind of led him to the Lord, like, here's the salvation prayer kind of thing. My dad had. Yeah help him, but there was no fruit in our life and we truly weren't saved and living for God. So yeah it was not long before it led to destruction, Right,
0: <laughs> but right. that's where it all started. Wow. Now did you, you got to though be around your siblings as yeah. well. And so great. Yeah. That's amazing. It, was, it all just happened overnight too. And yeah. God just said,
1: no, I'm, I'm going to restore this because he is yeah such the God of the second chance, third chance. He never stops. He's mm-hmm. always there ready to restore and redeem any brokenness. Yes. I, I truly never thought I would ever step foot in that house again. That's like my dad's pride at the time. And my pride, it was like, yeah. neither of us are giving up, you know, yeah. and, and God just did it. I mean, even yeah. without one of us making the choice, God moved. Yeah. So I know we're praying. I know yeah. my mom was praying. So yes. Yeah. That
0: really shows how, I mean, his love truly does cover all. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's wow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So you get married. Yes. 19. And you guys are still living in that same area as your parents. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We stayed there for a while and then we moved back to Texas. Okay. Yeah. And so there were a few boys before him. And then as we were married towards the end, like we broke it off. And then I dated, you know, around as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as I share, I shared a lot of it on TikTok. I said, okay, how am I going to do this God? Because people know the timeline of my life. They know the before him, they know the during him, they know the after him, they know those guys, they know him, you know? So I'm trying to always honor people. I always want to honor when I share the bigger stuff Mm -hmm. because I have forgiven everyone in my life that has ever done anything. I give forgiveness very freely because I know I needed it. Yeah. And I know that God can heal anything. And so as I share things um, going forward, it's kind of bounced around. I've just kind of taken some of the harder parts of my life. Mm-hmm. And really on a time frame, it's just gonna be a grouping of some of the hardest stuff that I've walked through. Yes. And the reason I I really felt the Lord saying to share in such depth of the really awful things is because when I've shared smaller thing, you know, smaller things in the world's eyes, people have come up to me and said, Oh, well, that's why you're healed. Because you haven't gone through this like I did. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of thing that PTSD and all these traumas can't be healed. Um, so I'm glad that was healed in you. Hmm. And I have no idea the things that I've been through, right. <laughs> the depth right. of the abuse and the things I've been through. And when they hear that, it's, shocking at first because of the joy, because of how he I am. Nobody yeah. can see that in me. Um and that's why I want to share because if God can do that in me, he can do that in anyone. Right. No matter how horrific the situation you've ever been in, whether it's physical, mental, verbal, sexual, yeah. I have walked through so much and I'm I share it to let people know there's hope.
0: Mm, yes. And yeah, <laughs> God yeah. can do it. And it, and it definitely reminds people that nothing is too big or too dirty or yes, uh, nothing's beyond the reach of God, you know? And so yeah, no, I, I think whether it's wonderful. Done, or whether it's been yeah. done to us because some people That's
1: right. feel the shame and like they can't be forgiven because they were the abuser as well. But no matter what side you're on, mm-hmm. if we repent, we go to God, we humble ourselves and we ask for forgiveness and we just invite him into our lives and, and. Through faith and grace, receive Him. God will heal and change everything. Yeah, no matter what. Right. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Thank you for saying that. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, okay. So I hope you're ready.
1: <laughs> Y'all, buckle up. Oh my gosh! And remember, it ends well.
0: It ends well. Oh, well, wow. and actually she, just to throw this in the, I don't know if you shared this on the first episode or if this is when we were talking off of the recording, but she shared with me, she is so healed that when mm-hmm. God prompted her to share her testimony, you had to ask him to bring some of it back to remembrance. Is that correct? I mean, Yes. Or yeah.
1: I have to watch when I first told that on TikTok, uh-huh. I had to remind me and now I have to watch the TikToks to remind me of a lot of the stuff. And I have a great memory. Yeah. Yeah. I'm known for my great memory and I still cannot remember a lot of it. And it's not that it's been suppressed because I've talked about it to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's the gone. it's healed. And it's, it's like watching a movie of someone else because I'm so healed by God. It doesn't hurt to talk about. It's not sad. There's no triggers. There's no flashbacks. It's just what happened then and who I am now made whole in Christ yeah it's amazing and I want everybody to have that that's why yeah. I share I want everyone to have the peace yeah. the joy the healing that
0: I have coming from everything yeah. because yeah. yeah yeah wonderful okay I didn't mean to interrupt you I'm sorry
1: Oh <laughs> I'm catching up on my notes <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: okay.
1: oh that was it yeah so so just a little warning it is gonna get you know it it's a lot of stuff. It's very. I won't go super detailed, but I'm I'm gonna say you know stuff that happened because yeah. I don't want there to be an excuse. I don't want anybody yeah. to have anybody telling them this it can't be healed. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. right. No, that's that's true. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And so people had a voice said like you're so joyful. And I've mentioned before I watch Dan Moller a lot sermons, mm-hmm. and uh, he's a preacher, and he always says, when does our story become his story? When does our life align with what Jesus paid for and what he says about me? Why am I always subject to what I've been through? When am I subject to what God's been through? Jesus has been through. When do I step outside of the darkness into the light? When do I transition from death to life? And if the Bible says that I have present and things to come, why, our, why are our testimonies all about our past? Mm-hmm. As I hear, good. Them, I'm like, Why am I still here in the fetal position, crying and hopeless? Jesus paid for this. Yes, yes. Those light bulb moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it changed everything. And He always said, "I don't have a past." Um, according to Scripture, it's gone. And you, you will only ever get to where God is trying to take you if we forget what lies behind people that hold so tightly to the past. You can't ever get there because yeah. they're stuck in those chains and that right. bondage. And yeah. And it's a lot of the time because especially the world we live in right now, everything's about comfort. Everything's about, right. you know, me right. and selfishness and, but it, it bounds us. It keeps us yeah. bound sure. and, I had, um, an amazing person come into my life and I'll share more about her. Her name is Tracy and she was one of the first people to bring the truth of who God truly was into my life. I had seen religion, but I had not seen God and she started bringing him into my life. And there was such boldness in her in truth. She brought truth in, not comfort. She never sat around and said, oh, all those bad things happened to you. Yes. You are a sexual abuse victim. Stay there. She said, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't fathom, but let me tell you about Jesus and how he died to take that pain from you. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe that was an option. Even as a preacher's daughter, I never truly believed that miracles still happen. (laughs) And it wasn't until she didn't just coddle and comfort me and say, be a victim, be a victim. She was like, no, there's so much better out there. Like Mm -hmm. I want." have a great fulfilling life without all this PTSD and all this sadness and and it wasn't until then that I truly got free from all of it um and that's unfortunately where a lot of the world lives is right there where we stay there we stay what happens
0: Mm -hmm. you're right you're right and when we you know when we accept Jesus he's very plain that we do become a new creation I mean we are completely new yes yeah
1: Yeah. so where you forget the past like I know that. have that's to watch your TikToks to remember what yeah, happened
0: that just is that's that's the true freedom of Christ I love it oh my goodness it's that's great. awesome
1: yeah it's so freeing because that's not who I am my identity is in Jesus and who he says I am and that's how I'm living so joyful and so free yeah and it's it's
0: not just me it's it's for everyone that's right <laughs> yeah that's right did you uh when you and you might be getting there, I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but like when, when Tracy was meeting with you and and sharing Jesus with you, when you came to the point of like accepting him truly, not just knowing of him, but knowing him, did you ever struggle with people around you bringing up your past or were you ever embarrassed in front of people that knew your past or anything of that nature? I was kind of so secluded when I met her Mm -hmm. on and on um well actually
1: I had other Christians around me but they they were bringing me such bad advice and so much of their own words and just their own opinions that I felt such death around them I felt no hope when they would give me this advice and Uh that's not just I mean it's everything's going to be easy to hear. There's going to be hard things that we have to work through. That's different. God will give you the grace and the peace through that. But there's like that sick feeling where you just know, like, this is not right. And so many Christians had been trying to give me this advice. And then when she came, she always said the same thing. Even if she shared what she felt the Holy Spirit was saying, she would always say, but don't even take my word for it. Everything I just said, take it to the Lord. Don't listen to anyone. You go to God and you allow the Holy Spirit to tell you. Don't even listen. And, yeah. you know, you've got other people saying, listen to me, listen to me. I know. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it felt wrong. And then Tracy's saying everything that felt peace and felt right. Even though it was hard. I mean, truth.
0: Sure. yeah,
1: <laughs> but, yeah. That, but don't even take my word for it. Go to the Bible. You go to God and you let the Holy spirit tell you. And yeah. that was truly when things started to change. She was sending me Dan Moeller sermons and Todd White sermons. And yeah. oh, uh, I like
0: Todd White so much. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so she had brought me, you know, their hope filled, true Jesus freedom sermons that I had never heard the gospel like that. I never heard the character of God explained this way. Yeah. Um, And it's who God truly is. And it just, the truth sets
0: us free. Yes. I
1: finally had the truth inside of me. And I was like, ah, this is amazing. This isn't mm-hmm.
0: what I saw in all the churches I grew up in even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. So good. So yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yes. I rejoice with you. It is amazing. Yes. 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 Okay. I'll let you continue.
1: Yes. Well, So again, we'll, you know, warning symbol here, but <laughs> around gets yeah. better. It does. Oh, it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is basically, I mean, I'm just kind of summing up all the worst abuse that's ever happened. And, um, I began hanging out with a specific crowd and I was very manipulated. um, still saying I wanted to wait for marriage. Um, but this person was very, they would lie very easily and also began to tell me that they were involved in like gang like activity, very dangerous activity like that. And it was the most hopeless dark point of my entire life because you know, I was so secluded to that lifestyle because of all the lies and it became my reality. And so this person would, would have enough people that I trusted around me tell me partial truths. And then he would take that partial truth and make a spin-off story of it so that my mind constantly felt I was crazy. If so I was like, that can't be real. That's not true to the extent that he began harming himself and saying it was this game. Wow. Um, I'm talking like huge huge things um yeah. gashes on his body oh inches deep and telling me it was because I did not do the things the gang said I needed to do to be a part of his life. Yeah. And it was all based around his sexual desires. Um I kept saying I I'm gonna wait till I'm married. You know the same thing I kept saying. Sure. And yeah. he literally began to lie and and harm himself and It caused the most stressful, scary life ever. I was such on high stress all the time. (laughs) It even involved some of my siblings hearing about some of this stuff throughout my life um, that stressed them out as well in my family. Um, But it was so real. It was so real to me at the time that he was going to die at any time. And if I didn't do these things and he'd even watch documentaries that kind of mentioned situations like this and say, see, this is what's happening and show me, yeah. um, cause I would start getting the idea that this can't be real. This is crazy. And he would just talk me out of it. And it continued for so long, um, horrific abuse. Um, he would take me, we, um, lived near like a park with a lot of trees and he would drive into the park into the back of the trees and he would rape me um force me to do all sorts of sexual things and um he even sodomized me um many times excruciating pain all if I don't do this he's going to die and so i'm you know constantly crying and stressed and just mind blown this is my life right now how is this reality But as I'm fighting back and as I'm saying, this doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do this anymore. More wounds on him. I will die if you don't do these things. Don't you understand? They will kill me. I I mean, I can't even like fathom it now. Yeah. I'm like, how, how did I stay there in that situation for so long? It was constant, constant abuse. I was in the most hopeless situation ever. I remember I would drive into parking lots. And I was suicidal and I didn't want to live anymore. And I just remember seeing happy people and being like, how come they have a good life? How come that person smiling? Like nobody knew what was happening th- to the depth of this. Not one person, had any idea, because I've just put a smile on. And just like when I was four and 14, nothing happened. You know, yeah. it was that grooming from a young age that, you know, once something bad happens to you. Again, you just kind of shut your mind off yeah. without Jesus yeah. and you just, know you believe that's what you're worth. So mm-hmm. you stick around those people more and more. And yeah. I just began to attract the worst people that wanted to harm me. And mm-hmm. it was such a spiritual battle. I know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it literally went on all, it was all the time, all the time. That was my life. Yeah. If say we were going to go on a date, we were going to go to the movies. I would have to do something or be forced to do something before we even got out of the car, before I did anything, I could not go anywhere. I could not have a normal life. And it was so heartbreaking. And again, it's like, I look back and I'm like, I don't even know that girl. Nowadays I'd be like, sir, you are twisted. You need Jesus. Let me me let me tell you about Jesus. But then I had no worth. I did not know the Lord. And it was truly the most hopeless, dark, time of my entire life
0: oh yeah wow now were was this gentleman acting in the position of your boyfriend at the time or just yeah oh yeah yeah. definitely very like you belong
1: to me like that's the thing I attracted men that were like you belong to me but what they you know but they weren't very loyal (laughs) yeah yeah It's it's that sick it's that thing on the forehead I have been abused come hurt me you know that yeah That's right. We talked about that. Yeah. We attract what we believe we are and we live up to what we feel like we are Mm -hmm. and only would attract and choose these people. Not even, I wouldn't choose the abuse, but I would choose people that were not going to treat me well because I was so used to that. And I didn't believe I deserved any better. I thought I was the most disgusting human on the planet and attracted people that knew that, that knew I was vulnerable. Yeah. And yeah. it just, it continued. I mean, from the age of four throughout almost my entire life, yeah. I don't know if there was a time without abuse, extreme abuse. Yeah. It only got worse as time went on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. it, there was a, a man that um, after this time frame even um, heard of all the abuse. I ended up sharing all of the abuse I had been through and i was working full time i was working so much and this person said well you can trust me and i want to be here for you said they loved me and said um i know you're working full time i'm going to find an online counseling schedule thing for you while you work found me all the information sent me all the the website i read through the webs there was a website there was a sign up there were multiple people's names all these different emails all the people um this it's so crazy to talk about because now my brain works. You know, with God, back then I was so vulnerable. Yeah, it didn't even register. But this person set this entire thing up and told me, "Um, it's a extreme sexual abuse. You know, help counseling. It's extreme and it's like a boot camp. And I I paid for it. Here it is for you. I got emails back when I would send in my email. I would get an email back. I, I was having conversation with all of the counselors. Um, they put me in a group of five other people that were in constant contact with me online for people that work. So I'm seeing these people, but I'm getting emails and I'm getting all this information from them. And I ended up hearing from the counseling person that they believe all of the abuse you've been through. If you reproduce that with someone you trust and love and allow them to do the things that were done to you, you will be healed. And that's what this counseling place was telling me. Gosh. And I remember thinking wow. I was grow up when yeah. I was, re- but they're saying, but don't you want to get healed? Like you're, you need healing. You need to be, you know, feeling better about yourself and go with someone, you know, let someone do that and and involve a person that you trust in it. So now he's involved. Mm -hmm. Now he's talking with the owners and the therapists. They're all telling me you have to let him help you. He wants to help you. I'm talking to like 15 different people with different names. And I remember feeling like I was going to throw up and feeling so sick and abused by this person. Yes. But I'm hearing these people tell me these amazing counselors, and it's like five star, you know, world renown. And I'm like, but I want to get better. And again, so naive. This person began abusing me. Oh, you've been raped. Okay, I'm going to rape you now. Oh, you've been sodomized. Now I'm going to do that to you. Oh, you, this has happened to you. I'm going to physically attack you now. Literally abusing me horrifically. Mm-hmm. For healing purposes. For healing purpose. Because they love. Him. And of course I found out later that the entire thing was a lie. That this person was sick, sadistic, sadistic, and twisted and yeah, really so. made the entire thing up. Oh
0: gosh. <laughs> and I trusted them. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But but you know, even though I know that was a a, a time ago those sick, twisted things are still going on today. So ladies be aware. I mean, your healing comes from God and there are professionals out there, but be aware they would never put you through what you've been through. Never. Never, ever. So, oh man. Go
1: to a Christian counselor. That would be my
0: opinion. Yes. Also
1: see them in person. No, you know, I was still so young, but um, do, and if it doesn't feel right, Even if you don't know God and you don't know what spirit determine is, trust your gut. Your first instinct. My first instinct was literally to, I thought I was going to throw up. Right. I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. That's it. And then before I knew it, I'm getting talked into and I'm like, but I want to be better.
0: That's (laughs) what I was going to say. Did you feel so desperate though, just to get better?
1: Yes. Which is
0: so crazy because obviously I got
1: much worse after (laughs) and had more trust issues and was more hurt and more. Um, just devastated and hopeless even more yeah <laughs> it but, just
0: continued yes but desperation does it leads to some of the most outrageous yeah. decisions but it's from a place of desperation to get help to get healed and you yeah. want to believe that's true and that this guy had your best interest at heart you know yeah I'm so sorry you went through that. My goodness. Thank good. you. I keep reminding myself. I know the end of the story. <laughs> it's good. Yes, it's good. <laughs> exactly. Amen. There's, there's, always, there's always the
1: Bible, Jeremiah 30, 17. God promises us. He says, I will restore you to health and I will heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Even if you don't believe in God, like just let those words come over you. The Bible says to speak truth, you know, speak that life. If you believe in God, this is a promise. This is the Bible and God doesn't lie. And so if you see my life, so if you saw me daily, you would net, if you had a lineup of 30 people in the room, I would be the last one that anybody would ever assume, guess or wonder that anything like that ever happened to me. There's not one thing in this world that can trigger me. There's not one thing that can make me sad about it. Nothing brings back PTSD or flashbacks. I am 100% like the most joyful, happy, loving, kind, forgiving person on the planet and it's because of jesus and it's because yeah, of jeremiah yeah. thirty seventeen, because mm-hmm. <laughs> god healed every single wound and he will in anyone mm-hmm. but i just have to share the darkest times because mm-hmm. people need to know what god took me from how yeah. dark the pits were because if he can do that he could do anything that's right that's <laughs> right you're right about it. that
0: yes yeah
1: yeah amen, amen. and um Let's see. Oh, yeah. So, uh, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> there's where that came from. Oh. I like, I, I'm like, huh? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, that's that's wild. But um, you. yeah. You you have been completely restored, though. Completely healed. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Amen. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> oh no. get
1: Off track. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, And so there, there was a whole nother aspect and timeframe of my life. Um, when another, a person, a man, um, was telling me the awful things he had done. So it was holding a lot of his shame as well. Um, saying he had harmed people. He even told me at one point he might've killed someone. I mean, again, the stress that that brought in my life of a minute, like now I'm very, I'm like with you, I'm close to you. And that's scary. And, and I think that was a lot of lies and ways to keep me with them. Like, don't go against me because this is the person I am, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure, but it was a terrifying place to be again. And I had finally kind of moved on and felt like life was going good. Um, not at all with Jesus, but I was having friends and we were going out partying and drinking, socially drinking, you know, nothing, nothing crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but opening all the doors to the world again. Yeah. Just wanting to be in the world because I had no hope, no joy, no healing. And if I could cover up the past in any way that I could, whether it was shopping or friends or drinking and going out, I was doing anything I could because the pain was still there. And so we began just socially drinking and going out and I, I never liked drinking. I never liked alcohol. I would much rather have a a diet Dr. Pepper any day, (laughs) (laughs) but I enjoyed not having to think about things and not have to remember the memories and flashbacks and the PTSD that were there Mm -hmm. before. And, and this guy I was with began to completely take advantage of getting me drinks when we were out and, so many times after we would go out, I would wake up not remembering anything from one point on to the next day. But I remember I'd wake up with bruises and I'd wake up, you know, naked or hardly dressed. And we were being together, but I did not remember anything past a certain part of the night. And I remember just feeling groggy. And then as time went on, I started to feel crazy because I was having these little flashbacks, these little pictures of, Coming home, being thrown in the tub, clothes being ripped off of me, forced to do sexual things, things being forced on me and, uh, getting thrown around and falling in the tub and my hair being pulled. And I'm having these moment to moment, little flashes that I know were true, um, in the blackout, you know, drunkenness and thinking, well, I didn't drink that much. I only drank a little bit. Everybody, nobody I'd call and text friends. Did anybody get sick last night? No, we didn't drink that much. And I'm thinking, how is it every single time we go out, we all have a drink, two drinks, and I'm blacked out for a 24 hour period and waking up bruised and hurting with these really scary flashbacks and time went on and on and it kept happening and kept happening. And They were telling me like, but that, no, that's crazy. You know, all the things and over time, um, eventually found proof and found out that, um, he was either drugging my drinks and, or getting quadruple shots, mm-hmm. four or five, put into a small drink, um, without me knowing, cause I didn't drink a lot. And I just thought all drinks tasted nasty. Uh-huh. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. And he uh-huh. admitted that he was, you know, raping me and forcing me and being rough with me. And to the point where we were driving home one time and I remember crying and screaming, I'm going to throw up. And he was still grabbing my hair and like forcing me to do things in the car and a cop pulled up. And a cop said, what is going on? And he said, oh, she's just drunk. And the cop let us go. And I remember these flashes of moments that didn't make any sense. And again, <laughs> more abuse. It just kept continuing yeah. throughout my entire life. I could constantly look back and say, when have I had a time that did not involve involve some type of abuse? And I couldn't. And then it was, well, there's something wrong with you. You're picking these people. You're just a mess. And again, go out and find somebody else that's going to treat you that way. Cause you don't deserve any better. Yeah. Gosh. Once again, back into that cycle. And yeah. it's so bad. You become promiscuous after more abuse. You become searching for what has happened to you. And it just continued. It just kept continuing yeah. over yeah. and over. Oh gosh.
0: You just yeah. keep almost just looking for that love and that peace yeah. it's just you go back to the same type of men or people because really that's all you've known I mean yeah you know, that's who you've uh, been yeah. around and yeah. yeah wow you go for what you're used to and yes. what you deserve you believe in yeah <laughs> but
1: Jesus yeah um, right and I just remember um time it was just person after person living with a guy And I finally said, I'm not going to do anything. You know, again, that moment, like I'm, I'm saving myself. And he'd be like, no, I don't want you to move out. We just won't do. I'll honor that. I'll honor that. You can trust me. I'm not like the other people. I'd say, oh, thank you so much. And before I knew it, I'm standing in the shower and I'm looking at the wall and dust is coming off the wall and a drill heads coming through right about waist level. And I my stomach dropped again. And I go running through the long bathroom, open the door, look around. This man is sitting on a chair, drilling a hole into the shower to watch me. I then found holes in our bedroom doors and holes everywhere. And I mean, this person, it was one after the other. You can trust me. I won't do those things. And I'm, I mean, how crazy do you feel? You see this person you trust and you want to be with, they're telling you, they love you. And you're in your shower and you, you your eyes are seeing something crazy. I mean, it was a situation like this one after the other, it was the craziest time of my life. And it was horrible. It was just seeking and it was crying all the time. So hope feeling. And I remember I would read my Bible though. I remember, um, but it didn't seem real. And in a revelation 21, four, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall their mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. And now when I read these verses, I'm like, that's, that's what God did. He took yeah. all, he collects every tear. Yeah. This is so true. He will take all the pain, all of those awful memories, all of the horrible things I went through. He took it all. He has healed it all. He has wiped yeah. every like a dad, like a good dad, would you stand on their up and they yeah. wipe your tears. God will do that no matter what you have been through. And he for sure began doing that then. But definitely as I found him and got healed, I saw that as, you know, his, my father, I saw him doing that now. Yeah. And through his word, as I read it, I was like, oh my goodness, like you have done that. You've taken all my pain. You've taken all my, my traumas
0: and you've wiped every tear from my
1: eye. I'm doing great.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <cool. laughs> I mean, the word became actually living mm-hmm. and active to you, and not just words on a page.
1: Yes, and yeah. a- yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Gosh, that's wonderful. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, and uh,
1: yeah. It it more men came and went. Um, some are the same, but I'm kind of just bouncing around, like sure. a couple of the same, but different times of life. And yeah, um, okay it just, it just kept going and going. Um, And I would end up finding, you know, I was in a very long-term relationship for a while and I'd find, you know, them reaching out for prostitutes online and I'd find same sex prostitutes. I'd find the craziest things because if these people can do these things to us, then Mm -hmm. they're just in need of the Lord and extreme healing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would turn into a huge fight. They'd delete everything, call me crazy. And I just remember living for so long, um, so angry because you pent up all this anger of, I know, I know this can't be real. I know this person's lying. I know this is happening. I know I don't deserve this, but you don't know what to do. You feel so trapped. And I really did. And I remember just feeling so hopeless because of the lies. And it was like a dark, um, there's a movie called the shack. And uh, one of the scenes, the man has just gone through the worst situation ever. He's just hurting and he's in a boat and the water all of a sudden becomes black and like tar. And then the boat just starts filling with this blackness and sinking. And I remember living that way with all of this abuse and with all this going on in my life, constantly feeling like this black, dark hopelessness just over me and sucking me down and. In the movie, Jesus um, says, just look at me, look at me, just look at me. And every time the man takes his eyes off the tar and like looks up and sees Jesus and locks eyes with him, the boat stops sinking. The black tar water starts to go away. But then he looks down again and it starts to fill. And that was truly my life for decades (laughs) was this sinking boat in the world in sin, but also not choosing the abuse happening, Mm -hmm. all of the stuff, what I was doing, what was being done to me, just hopelessness. And that lifeboat just sinking in such, you get so wrapped up in it. Sometimes that you think there's no way out. There's no hope. And God is just calling us and saying, just look at me, just lock eyes with me. Look at me. I'm here for you. And the second we do, there's hope. And all of that just starts to fade away. But it was like, I'd get a glimpse of him and I'd look away. (laughs) I'd get a glimpse and I'd look away. And so I thinking but it doesn't mean eventually I locked eyes with Jesus and that's why I'm here today that's right <laughs> yeah hey,
0: Hi, oh my goodness Dur- during those um dark hopeless times did you ever think about suicide or did, did did that ever cross your mind or did you always know that there was some sort of hope you just weren't sure what it was
1: yeah i there were times, there were a handful yeah. of times,
0: like I said, when I,
1: when all that was going on in the woods, right, when I would fall right. into a parking lot and be like, I just want it to be done. I want to be done. Um, I remember one time I took a CD case. You remember the CD cases back in the day? They're plastic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of broke it and it was sharp. And I just yeah. pretended to cut my wrist. I pretended. I yeah. knew I couldn't get myself to do it, but I wanted to. I yeah, was, yeah. I was cutting, but it wasn't even like people who cut themselves like very deep. It was. It was like, I wanted to go deeper, but I couldn't. I wanted to, and it was the Lord obviously was protecting me. Right. I knew yes. I subconsciously knew in my spirit that there was hope, and yes. I know that's why I didn't give up. But I wanted to so badly, yeah. I wanted to be able to cut myself deeper, I wanted to be able to get it all done and just go, be but I did not
0: feel the pain anymore. anymore. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted it to be over, but I also felt like I had so much to live for. You know, I, I yeah. wanted a happy life, I wanted to be married and have kids. And I wanted to know God and and be a happy girl, a normal girl, like I had seen. So I felt like there was that much that I wanted, like I wanted one day. So I think that, that God was allowing me to have that hope within. I didn't know it, but yeah, there were definitely a handful of times that I was just ready, but I couldn't, I couldn't even
0: cry. (laughs) Right. Well, we're, we are, we are glad (laughs) (laughs) for that. (laughs) And I, I just want to remind everyone, no matter how, how hopeless, how dark it seems, and you yeah. may want to be over out of here and want this to be over with, Amen. please continue to listen to her story and um, you can see where hope enters in and where healing takes place. And she's yeah. not in that same place anymore. So please just continue to listen and stir up hope that it's mm. not always going to be that way. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Sure.
1: Amen. I'm yeah. so thankful. I mean my gosh, I always say all the time I have so much life ahead of me. I feel like <laughs> when you hear money it's like a whole life, yeah. but now I have a whole life. like I have yeah. all this life.
0: Yeah. It, I mean it's like somebody you you don't even know really you know yeah, like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's it's- wonderful. That is so good. So, yes, <laughs> what is your thoughts? Do you want to continue here or is this a good stopping point or what's what's your thoughts? Um, I think it's a good stopping point just at where we're at. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, so um, thank you so much, Tara, for sharing with us. And um, I want to encourage everybody to stay with us. This is episode two. We've got more coming. And believe it or not, there's even some more um, tough stuff that she deals with but hope is coming. Just wait, Mm -hmm. we're almost there, you know, so she is there, but I mean, just in the storytelling um, process. So please stay with us. Thank you so much. Again, if you find yourself in a place of hopelessness, reach out Mm -hmm. to someone, reach out to me. If you have gone through something that she has and you want to get a hold of her, you can Mm -hmm. contact me. I'll get you to her. And also her TikTok handle is Tara Lynn. T-A-R-A-L-Y-N. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And watch her TikToks, but don't get ahead of us now. You want to hear the rest of the story here, yeah. but she does offer so much hope. So just know that whatever you're going through, it is not too big for God. It's not. Amen. No, Jesus died for you as well. So, okay. Wonderful. Let me go ahead and click us off here. Yes. All right. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us today. Please remember, folks, we are all in this thing called life together. We may be in different parts of our story, but maybe, just maybe, by hearing from others, we will be reminded we aren't alone. If you are enjoying this podcast, please give it a follow and please feel free to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to it. This helps others find the podcast and it sure makes my heart happy. You can also find me on YouTube at MaxettaGad with new episodes each Wednesday. Let's do it again next week.